playing Dead by Daylight uh, on Friday and uh, I was like, oh, I'm climbing up the ranks, I seem to be doing alright this. Uh, loads of people seem to be still playing it. Uh, and I was playing as a survivor, which is weird. I'd, I swap pretty much 50-50 between killer and survivor, uh, whereas I, other people seem to just play one or the other. Hmm. Uh, but I was playing a game, I was like, all right, if I complete this game, I complete like three achievements. I had it all lined up and I complete like a bunch of different uh, uh, like battle pass stuff. And Sinead came in and sat next to me and just sat on the remote. And because it's a projector, it turns off and then takes 30 seconds to turn back on. But I had the headphones linked up to the, the controller so I could still hear what was happening. <laughs> I was like, I'm already scared playing this game. So I just, as a survivor, just hunkered down. And if you stand still for too long, the killer gets a notification. So it was just me blind, trying to remember the map layout and just walking. <laughs> and I, you hear a heartbeat when the killer comes near you. I could just hear a heartbeat. I was like, oh, and like about face and try to walk away. And they just had the sound of being sliced to death. And I was like, oh, okay, that's probably fair. Yeah, that's fine. It's like they're looking at you going like, well, what's he doing? And you're like, uh, uh, uh across like a clearing <laughs> or something. Yeah. Like completely out in the open, no cover whatsoever. Thinking like, I'm definitely in a bush. And you're like, you're not in a bush. You're not. It's yeah. A, yeah it, it would be great if you, I've played it before where everybody goes on voice chat, including the killer. But you can hear people be going, hey, 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 this idiot doesn't even know I'm here. And then you just about face quickly as the killer and you hear him go, oh no. And you're like, so you are over here somewhere. Either that or they're, being, they're massively outplaying you and they were directly oh, yeah. in front of you. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh, got him. And they're like, yep. They they did one time where uh, I like hooked someone. So like as the killer, you're it's an asynchronous game or sorry, asymmetrical game where you are the killer against four survivors. They need to start generators and escape the level. You need to capture them on hook them. So you put them up on hooks uh, a la Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, so I hooked someone and I could hear them all in voice chat going, all right, let's just flank them. If you go one way and I go the other, we can rescue that guy. And all they were doing was completing generators. They had basically decided to sacrifice that guy. But because I could hear them, I kept hanging around the, the the captured guy going like, where the fuck are you? You're not going to save him, are you? We had, um, I remember the, it was one of the special editions of Far, of the original Far Cry. It was Far Cry Predator Instincts. Um, it might even be in the original Xbox. And now that I think of it, I think it was. Yeah. Original Xbox and not um, 360. But, I'm picturing the graphics. I think it was Xbox. Yeah. So... And I remember like playing through it and liking it, but myself and Helmet, who has been on our podcast and of Lost Art podcast, uh, our mate Wayne, who's of the Irish podcast, uh, and a mate of ours, Mike, the four of us used to just sit in the level editors building stuff and testing them against one another. And we came up with like, I'm sure many other people came to the same conclusion with the same tool set, but there was a game mode where one person has the the like the full primal predator mutation going and they can like um they can move like three times or four times as fast they can jump really high but they only have melee attacks and they regenerate health and stuff like this right and but there's a thing that it was like the closer you got to the uh players they could their thing started vibrating in the in a heartbeat and the heartbeat sped up right and we were playing a mission map. We built a massive big island where the spawn was on one side and there was a chopper on the other side. It was called Get nice. the Chopper. And the whole idea was really heavily forested. 
Um, and there was like multiple like weapon pickups along the way. But there was a full uh, platform system in the trees that you couldn't see from below, but it allowed the predator to move around in the treetops and then like drop out of the trees. And we were playing, when we used to play it at night time. Like you'd set the, the time of day to night. So like really no visibility is a really heavy fog and you're like, yeah. And there was one point, and we all, I, was, I always used to play a proximity chat because it was just funnier. And um, there's a point where I was the predator and I'm standing there and I'm watching them and I'm like kind of crouched in a bush. And now you can hear is one of them going like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's him. It's like, fucking is him. Look, you can see him moving down there. It was like a bush moving or something. And they're yeah. like, it's like, it's, it's definitely him. It's like, I don't think it is. And one of them shoots and it's like, he's not moving. So like, I don't think it's him. And I just sprint forward, target one of them. And I grab him and just jump up into the trees with him. And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and like, two of them like panic, like, what the fuck? I just hear the third one going, oh, I guess it wasn't him. And I just like, oh. <laughs> But like we used to have such good times. We had like we built maps where there was like we literally had a map where it was like almost like a symmetrical end. There was two pillars on either end. You could yep. climb up one, and then from there you could uh, you basically had to like hand glide across to the other one, the other pillar, which you had no way to climb, and that was hollow. And if you dropped down in underneath, there was a buff you could get, and then you could come back out, but you couldn't go in the other way. So we, like, right, we right. built all this type of stuff and. We just used to like lose hours in those games, just being like, yeah. I want to I build all of this. Um, but yeah, that, that's same. like we used to play essentially like Dead by Daylight with that game, but like, you know, like <laughs> almost 20 years ago. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, just but... that type of like the, I, I, I firmly believe that in like any of those asynchronous games, proximity voice chat should always be on by default. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's funnier. It's proximity voice chat is genuinely so funny because you can hear the characters in the game if they're injured, like grunting and stuff. I really, really want to have it that like you're running around. I would, I would love to like get a bunch of games that going because I, I've built Pyramid Head as my killer to be a jump scare killer. So I've made his terror radius, which is where you hear his heartbeat of your survivor, tiny, unless he's chasing someone, and then it's huge. It's nearly the size of the map. So as soon as he starts chasing you, it feels like you can never lose him. But he can right. also no no one plays him. He can attack through walls because he can do this thing where he like causes an area of effect on the ground, like the ground smashes. Uh, he can c get right up to people, and they're like they don't realize he's there, and then just do this attack through a wall, and then everyone scatters. Yeah, I mean that, that that's one thing that seems interesting about that game is just that like being able to customize your killers. It's not just here's yeah, your yeah. bog standard and off you go, or this is how this one operates. Like you have a way to customize it to kind of better fit. I think it's a good reflection because specifically with the IP uh, deal ones that they have, like when they bring in yeah. pyramid head and stuff like that, is that different people will look at horror films and or play horror games and be scared by slightly different things. Yes. So being able to build your version of what is terrifying about him is yeah. the and and like yeah I, I I can tell that your version comes from Silent Hill too, the whole idea yeah, yeah. of like him being a jump scare thing it's like literally there's points where you're walking along and he just like oh shit he's right there and you have yeah. like five feet to react to him. It's it's like that there's a meme going around where it's like uh, oh shit I can see Pyramid Head behind the bars oh good he's gone I can't see Pyramid Head oh no I can't see Pyramid Head <laughs> yeah it's like I mean. 
It's easier yeah. when you can see him and there's something in the way. <laughs> uh, there's, my other killer is the doctor who does madness effects. So you just spend the first half of the game inflicting madness on people and not attacking them. And it means that they can't do anything. Like every time they try to fix something or heal each other, all of their skill checks are difficult or they appear at a random point around the screen or they see phantom like hallucinatory monsters or like uh, items that aren't there. Mm -hmm. So just do that to them for the first half of the game and then start chasing them. And you'll see guys running down a corridor and then suddenly switch direction where clearly a, a hallucination has appeared in front of them and they've freaked out and tried to run away. I like that. He's, I'm making him into a Cenobite, so I've like reskinned him. So he's got like, uh, he starts off as the um, the bit from Clockwork Orange where his eyes are held open and he's wearing a lab coat. Right. But I've like now, now done the lab coat black and given him this old copper diode stuck to his head and he's functionally a Cenobite. Yeah, that's, I, 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 I can appreciate that. Uh, as, yeah. as, Hellraiser being probably the only horror film that actually ever freaked me out. I can appreciate that. <laughs> I think I mentioned it like way back in like the first or second episode. Anytime, like I had loved the Hellraiser films. And if I watched them, I know I'd never just watch one, I'll watch two or three in a row. Mm. Um, but what always happens is like about a month later, it's never immediate, about a month later, I will have the exact same nightmare that I always have involving the Cenobites. <laughs> and, but it's that's only a, after I watch some of the films. That's that's a that's a fun way of of like doing a sequel. It's just all right. Well, we've got the first three films, and then the fourth one happens in your dreams. Yeah, it's it's and it's always like a month later or so. It's never sooner than that. And I'll just be like, and it's the exact same every time. And it's not good. Yep. It's it is a nightmare, um, and that's part of what fucks with me. I, I do like the way. Um, Barker did all his horror stuff that it was like there was always a caveat yeah, that yeah. always allowed him to just kind of amp it up and have to rely less on like comedy to break the tension the way Wes Craven did yeah because yeah. that was kind of the, the I, I, yeah that was the stuff that was always kind of like the, the, the three different approaches were like for me anyway from what I saw growing up um it was you had Wes Craven's version, which had comedy involved heavily. Yep. And it gave you something to laugh at and break the tension more. But also then uh, when you got scared, it was more severe. Because yeah. But it, it, it humanized some of the characters as well. So that when something bad happens to me, like, oh, no, not that guy. Yeah. Then you had um, the um, John Carpenter and his stuff is very much a constant building thing yeah it's never it's driving you know, it's like it's like it's, the music that he's making it's like it's yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and and then you had um uh like barker yeah barker's one which was always like there it is horrific and it is terrifying but as long as you don't do the thing you are safe yeah there's don't say weird... Candyman's name don't yeah, solve yeah. the puzzle box. It, it was there was like a there was a consistent thing to it that I was like, no, 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 no. Just, you know, hold off and you're fine. This is the one thing that makes you safe. It's funny because it's like a real Rod Serling Twilight Zone vibe to it. That like you it's not that like there's no levity and everything like that. It's pulling you along because there's rules and they're constantly establishing yes. rules. And you're looking at the people going, Don't do that, don't do that. But yeah. you know it's going somewhere, you're like there'll be not quite a lesson at the end, but like there'll be a 
like this culmination where you're like, like the, oh, the, the Barker ones are a cautionary tale. They're always yeah. a cautionary tale. That's the point of them. Um, the 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 what's called the West Craven ones are more like. I suppose the Craven and Carpenter ones slightly have some similarity. There, like there, the there is a, there is one or two survivors, and but but did they survive? Like the ending yeah. of the thing and the ending of Nightmare on Elm Street Part One are the two that stick out for me for that. The Craven uh, ones are like urban legends where you can tell them as if it's it's a lesson, as if there's yes. something a cautionary tale. But sometimes it's just. And then this horrible thing happened. Like there's no lesson to it. It's just oh, the killer was in the backseat of the car, and the. Like, oh, what, you know, there's something terrible about to happen. Oh, it's even more terrible than you could have imagined. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, have you watched anything new recently? It's been yeah. about two weeks. I get, for, weeks yeah, for this, for this episode, we could do like a catch-up of what we were watching over the holidays. Um, I'm Johnny Lynch, that's Glenn, and we're here to establish how tropes bleed across movies, TV shows, and video games. Welcome to Dystropia. I'm going to actually say that's not what we're going to do for this episode because I have an idea. Oh. Okay. I just because I just wanted to see if there was anything yes. that you jumped on like quickly. Uh, yeah, I rewatching Parks and Rec, which is an absolute delight. Uh, watching uh, watch the movie Sorry to Bother You, which is absolutely brilliant. Big fan of that. Uh, it is oh, that, that name sounds incredibly familiar. It's it's up on Netflix. Uh, it's like ah. Uh, oh, <laughs> It's like office space, that kind of like office satire. Um, okay. Really good actors. It's the man oh, Lakeith. Yeah, Lakeith uh, Snapfield. Yeah, when he's on yeah. the, the him and and uh, Danny Glover teaches him how to use his white person voice. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, I remember that. It's I just it's the, the name just escaped me. I was like, I know it's 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 a name that I've said it to people, and once I start describing it, but it's it's an office satire by way of Get Out. Uh, with a little bit of uh, Eddie Murphy raw with the white voice and like the the satire of black and white culture is fair amount of surrealism in it though. It so yeah, I'm gonna recommend it to people and just be like, it's an absolute vibe. Like you start watching it, you're like, honestly, just for the music, I could totally watch this. Is a bit of crack, and then it's it's weirder and weirder, and you're like, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, going, yeah. going real high weirdness with it. Uh, and then I watched two episodes of The Umbrella Academy. Uh, and I enjoyed it just for there's there's like watching stuff that's nostalgic where every single thing and it seems to be something I already like. Right. Okay. Uh, I don't know how much I like the show like with everything combined, but I'm like, so baby Nightcrawler jumped <laughs> forward in time and did a looper into I Am Legend, and that's his storyline. Cool. I'm cool with that. Beast has to live on the moon because I guess he's going to beast too hard, and that's the only place it's safe. I don't know yet. Uh, Preacher lady with the voice of God used her powers to turn into a Hannah Montana character. And this is what I really appreciate. They didn't do the origin stories. They, these kids were born. It's basically X-Men. Jump to the future where they're like, we've missed all of the points where they're superheroes. Yeah. And it's now the, like, their dad is, who's basically the hunter from Jumanji who collected these fucking kids, is now did this, this, this. Uh, Deadshot Diego, who is basically doing his daredevil thing, but throwing knives. He's bopping around as well. Uh, and then they're being hunted by Mary J. Winifred and Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction, <laughs> as uh, who are like these men in black characters. Who are, I haven't again, I haven't watched it all yet. But they're either the observers from Fringe or Time Cops, just straight up Time Cops. Uh, and the last guy is Robert Sheehan, who's basically playing his character from Misfits, 
but playing it as if he was Constantine auditioning for Breakfast on Pluto. And it's just, they're just mashing all these elements together. And I'm just looking at it being like, yeah, I like all this stuff. Keep Just keep pairing them off and doing little storylines with them. And I'm like, yeah, I could, I'll watch this show. The music's great as well. Every every fight scene is the scene from Kingsman, but instead of Freebird, they just put in another song that doesn't quite work, but then totally works. <laughs> the, um, I was watching myself, I was watching a... I watched a lot of classics, like between Christmas and, and like the last week or two, just got in that vibe to watch like late 80s, early 90s thrillers and actions. Like, I went on a bit of a John McTiernan spree when oh, I, very nice. I watched, like, Die Hard, then The Hunt for Red October immediately afterwards on nice. Christmas, uh, Christmas night. And then um, uh, watching through stuff like Patriot Games. Um, I rewatched Eraser, and it's the first time oh, I've yeah. seen it since I saw it in the cinema when I was, like, 12 or 13. And... My God, that film is bad. Like, that film has not aged well at all. I, I think we must have had it on video because I watched it a bunch of times when I was a kid. And we had the Eraser video game, uh, which was like a... It was a point-and-click... Uh, it was. It should have been a light gun game, but we had it with, like, a mouse on a computer, so we are just clicking on things. Uh, but the best thing about it is just the, the suit-up sequence at the start. It's just a classic suit-up montage. And then... He, there's a cool rail gun and that's it that's the whole movie there's like the the it has that whole cheesy thing of like any action sequence and you just get that like incredibly 80s guitar solo comes in <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like and you know and there's just so much stuff in it that you're like what on earth like yeah it's really bad. And I, I can pinpoint the moment where it happened, but it's really bad how unintentionally the update to action films nowadays ruined all the old ones. Go on. And it literally changed with the firstborn identity. Action films, action, no, action films existed in a, in, a in a completely different style prior to the born identity. We did right. have Mission Impossible, but Mission Impossible still had the ridiculous gadgets and stuff like that. Yeah, Born yeah. Identity was like the first one that I can remember where, or the first one that stands out to me where the action star is not Stallone or yeah, yeah, Arnie yeah, yeah. or one of those, or Jean-Claude Van Damme or any of them. It's, a, it's somebody who, obviously they're in shape, but it's like, the, like the thing I always really enjoyed about the, the first... Um, Born Identity film, in addition to the film itself being good, but I mean in terms of like setting and casting was when he's in um, when he's in Switzerland, everybody is speaking the native language. It's just not everybody speaking English until he goes yeah. to the embassy. I'm like, oh, thank God for that. But then there's the whole thing of like, if imagine a world where Matt Damon wasn't famous. Yeah. He does not have the look of somebody who you would look at twice in the crowd. Not to say yeah. anything bad against him at all, but it's like he, it's like again, it's the whole thing of not having a big, hulking, fucking, you know, uh, bulging, muscly uh, action hero. You would walk by him in a crowd and not look at him twice, which is what you're meant to do because he's an assassin. 
yeah, there's yeah. no reason for you to look at him more than once. Uh, no, just with Die Hard, it's like they were so close. They had like a, hey, maybe it doesn't have to be an elite assassin. Maybe you can be, you know, right guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. And then they, they just never went back to it. It's like, nah, but what about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, That's the thing. Eraser is a special kind of bad that, like, that was that whole slew of action movies where they just call the main character John. And they don't, for any reason, just like clearly that's what you do at the start of a script to show it's an action movie. And it, in their head, they're like, we'll go back and change it later. He's John King or John Krugel or John McCain, John, just whatever John name it is. He's an everyman. It's like, he's not an everyman. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And, but like, what happened when they moved to that style of action film, particularly spy action film, there's no reliance on gadgets. Yep. Like, other than what you could have in your house, oh, a computer and a phone. It's the scene from Taken. I, all I have is a particular set of skills. And you're like, okay. But that's, again, that's another one that is, like, can directly trace its reason for existing back to um, the Bond yeah, movies. Yeah. But, like, how they shot the... Like, the shootout in that film between him and Clive Owen. Yeah. And I say that, and people go, holy shit, Clive Owen was in that film. I'm like, Exactly. Mm. because he's another assassin that you're not meant to remember you're meant, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're meant to be he's another member of Treadstone and that's it but it's this whole thing of you know the that's where they I think that more than any because prior to that bear in mind like only a few years prior we had all the Matrix films mm. um, I think that was the push or the, the big push that started towards more quote-unquote realistic action yeah the fight scenes are more kind of, you know, if it's hand to hand, it gets very violent very quickly. Yeah, it's not guys just swinging haymakers. It's like, like you know, Arnie in any of his films goes up against an actual trained spec ops guy, and the spec ops guy will tear him apart because it's yeah. like you're too slow. You're you're yeah. not moving at the speed that you're meant to be moving at, and that's that was like the shift happened with, with those films. The only thing Patriot Games, recently brought this up, was that Patriot Games reminded me that why I like that film so much and why it stood out to me so much. The action sequences at the start where he stops the attack on the royal family in London, mm. very over the top. They literally blow up the engine of the car using Semtex and then put it, you see them putting a lump of Semtex on the door to blow the door off to yeah. get out the family inside so they could ransom them. And he goes charging in in a suit and it's like, and he like, hits a guy off a, a car and then the guy the guy is just knocked out at that point. Yeah. And then yeah. he takes his gun. But the ending of that, when the, there's the storm and the power gets cut to the house and they come in and they're using silenced weapons and they all have night fishing goggles and it's all super quiet. And I'm like, that's real more realistic than what you normally get in an action film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then but then it like and it was a great film and it was very well received at the time but it didn't seem to stick as much. You know what I mean? And we had the run then, like from that point on up until like the, that, the Matrix revamped action, but before, then very before, quickly. Before you move um, off your ones, I watched all the Indiana Jones with my dad over Christmas. Mm -hmm. And there's so, there's something about those fight scenes again, like the old style fight scenes. There's three people involved. There's like one combatant, the other combatant and the audience. And you nearly yeah. see like the fighters turning to the audience sometimes. Yeah. And the, the scene where Indy's fighting the big uh, Nazi dude next to the airplane and he eventually gets <laughs> splattered. Like, they, what, Indy's out there rolling around. He's, like, a the gun gets fired a couple of times. The dude comes out of a tent and rips his shirt off and, like, he's big smile on his face. He's like, oh, I was hoping I'd get into a fight today. He runs to the fight with a big smile. Yeah, and, and it's, 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 it's,
And you as the audience are like, ah, oh, fight time. This is happening. I would give the Indiana Jones films a free pass because they are a massive homage to the yeah. serials, to the weekly serials of like the 20s, 30s and 40s. But the but actual 80s and 90s action was incredibly cheesy and like, like there's a point in, um, there's a point in Eraser near the end yeah. where there's like an attack, on, like he's trying to sneak in onto the docks to attack them. They like they shoot up the fucking. Or he kills the guys who're sending after him, and then James Khan just is like, "Open fire on this warehouse. There's just a yeah. warehouse, and somewhere in that warehouse that we don't know, that they don't know, we kind of know, is Arnie, right? And everybody starts opening fire with no aim and yeah. no, you know, I've got a revolver firing 19 bullets, yeah, and stuff in the warehouse just starts exploding. Yeah. Like it's just out, and it's like it's, <clears throat> and at the time we were like, this is awesome. Yeah. But then when you actually go back and look at it now, compared to the action films you get today, like, God, this is terrible. Yeah. The yeah. action films, but here's this weird thing. The action films from the 80s and 90s that hold up today are all actually horror films. Terminator, Aliens, Predator. Yeah. And even Die Hard. I would argue Die Hard is more horror than action in some ways. Yeah, because of the situation. It's the average guy and you know he's just trying to hold his fucking marriage together and then it all goes oh, fucking yeah it's i i'd say more thriller than horror but actually but now you, you know what it, i mean like it's not action it's got more in common <clears throat> with like certain scenes of um like silence of the lambs where like he has to use the elevators he has to use the building to his advantage to escape and to like move stuff around similar to the way hannibal lecter does during his escape scene it's like yeah he has to use dead bodies in elevators there's like he can't just burst in and start like destroying the place. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of already sneaking around, there's the bit in Commando where he comes out of the ocean and he's shirtless and has covered himself in camo. And you're like, "Are you? Do you want to be seen or not? I can't figure you out." <laughs> What's yeah. happening? There's the opening of Commando. It's literally him walking down out of the woods, carrying a, a, a like a tree log on his shoulder, and the tree log <laughs> is like two foot wide, and yeah. he's just like one arm. Ah, <laughs> and it's like. Don't get me wrong. I love Arnie. I love watching yeah. him and stuff because he just has that kind of. He just, like, there's another one, Terminator. Terminator films yeah. closer to horror than they are to oh, 100%. to action. They use action elements and they use them very well, but they're it's ultimately horror. Like, and it's I just find it weird that it's the just had, like the progression of it it was just something i noticed over the christmas i was actually watching last night i watched that new one and um, outside the wire it's the new anthony mackie film it's on netflix oh, I'm right. um literally came out on friday um mm. it's good it, it there was like i don't want to give anything away because it's like it's stuff that like oh hmm, interesting shit starts happening quite early on right right but it's um yeah, it was it was a good setting. It was just a, like the, it was a good setting. Not anything that's gonna like set the world on fire. It's no newborn identity. It's not gonna revolutionize anything. Right, right. But it's just more proof of like, yeah, Anthony Mackie's just a very charismatic actor. I really like. Um, but the yeah, it, it's just I just it was that weird thing I noticed with the, the action that I just wanted to briefly mention was like it yeah. seems that action is completely you know. It, we hit the matrix and it re-evolved and there, then within about four years five years we hit the born identity and it re-evolved again because i think it was literally like it, the 
the Matrix hit and suddenly everybody went, oh my God, look what we can do in action films. And they started yeah. to develop ideas and the next two Matrix films came in and, oh, maybe not, maybe not. Yeah. Oh, back up, back up. And there's, it just kind of, you know. There's there's a, a chart of like action sequences in movies of like the schlocky serial ones where like, once you got hit to the jaw, the bad guy, he just fell over. You were just done. He just like, we'll run to the next guy. And then that bred into the 80s stuff. Then you get these weird little outliers, like the fight scene from They Live, where they just leave it on far too long because they're like, yeah, fights are horrible and weird yeah. and long and bad. Yeah. Uh, and then you get like straight into the, the wire work of Crouching Tiger and then like the slow-mo of the Matrix. And then that into, oh no, it's all close combat. Like you need to feel disorientated because that's what the fight's like from the Bourne movies. Yeah. And I, now suddenly we have this entire palette. It's like, all right, well, what are we trying to say? We can We can pull from any of these if we do a fight scene. That, that, that was the one downside to the Bourne stuff is that a lot of people, they saw that whole kind of close quarters um, fighting and the the quick edits were there, to, again, like you're saying, it was to disorient people um, because it's like if you've ever been in a long fight, it can be like that. It's yep. like you don't even know which way is up at some points. Um, and a lot of people just thought that it had to be like, oh, if you edit fast, you can disguise a lot of shit. Yes, it's like yeah, you can't really because when you see them do the impressive stuff, when you see Matt Damon do the impressive stuff in the Bourne films, you're able to. That's pretty good, fucking good. Yeah, because it knows when to linger and it knows when to to edit. Whereas some people they just do one or the other. I watched uh, the first season of Whitechapel, uh, and there's some of the weirdest editing. So they do this Sherlock-like thing where things aren't quite in focus. And they do things where like it's double exposed, where like as the character's walking, you see a little bit of a shadow where it looks like like you're just, you're just seeing an echo of the frame. It's clearly exactly the same film. And it's the hint being like, well, this has all happened before. This is all the, the Ripper. Everything's happening twice. And you're like, mm -hmm. okay. And they do some of the worst fucking cuts I've ever seen during chase sequences. And there's an interrogation scene where they cut across the table and cut instead of cutting 180, like they functionally cut 180 degrees. So it looks like everyone's sitting on the same side of the table. They don't, they don't angle it properly. I was just shaking my head watching it going, this is so badly done. You, you nearly had some good ideas here. And then the camera angles ruined some of like the tense scenes. But before we get on to the actual idea I had that I want to talk about. Go on. I had another theory the other day. It's very loosely formed at this point, but I want to get you, I want to bounce it off some people. I mean, so I'm the one who said that uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight was uh, the original Bourne movie. <laughs> so we're, we're more than happy. No, it is. It is, but it's just, it's it's more with that 90s inflection of style. Yeah. So, you know. Um, the And, like, the Bourne identity was the original Bourne identity because it was originally, like, I think it was a 1982 or uh, two-part made-for-TV film. And, uh, yeah, because it's all based in the book, the Robert Rulon book. So it was it was adapted like back in the, like, yeah, like flares were a thing, not just <laughs> that I wear, but like flares were a normal thing when uh, when it was originally adapted. The but yeah, so as as you saw, it was announced, and people will know by now that there was a whole announcement of like uh, Ubisoft, not the one I work for, one on the far side of the world, or uh, one of the shoes in the far side of the world, are doing Star Wars. Yes. And some of my mates were like, oh, like, do you know an event? I was like, I literally found out the same day as everyone else through the same methods. Because you don't hear about other shit in other studios when you're working on your shit. Um, even less so now that we're not in office, 
And you're only yeah, really yeah. talking to people when you have a work specific reason to talk to people. It's not like you're running into people at the water cooler. I'm going to go make a cup of tea and like someone's there making coffee and you're just chatting for five minutes. That shit doesn't happen. But the, but one of the mates raised the issue of like, do you think you guys would be able to d- give Star Wars fans what they want? And I was like, I have no idea what they want because I am not a Star <laughs> Wars fan. I know that the Snowdrop engine looks fantastic because it's what Division 2 is made on and it looks, looks unreal. Yep. looks amazing and it does like really good it has a really wide range of like weather effects so we'll be able to do like s- places like hoth or tatooine because it has yep. shown both like dust storms and tornadoes and blizzards and everything else i know it can do all that type of stuff um i just don't know if it'll be what star wars fans want because star wars fans seem incredibly fucking hard to please <laughs> and we may respond with uh, they, lightsabers they want lightsabers and that's when they have my epiphany yeah they actually don't right the more lightsabers are in a star wars film the worse it is received i bet that's true what's what's the what's, one... the, what's the most popular star wars film outside the original trilogy what is the most popular star wars film i have no idea you're gonna have to so, tell me i rogue one Oh yeah, sorry. Absolutely Rogue One. That's my favorite there one. There is a thought... single scene with lightsabers in it at the very end. Is what is just the a... only thing from the modern era that is considered better than Rogue One? The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yeah. There's not, not lightsabers in the Mandalorian from what I know. <laughs> I haven't watched it, but from what I know, you go back to the original prequel trilogy. There is multiple lightsabers on screen at a time. I actually think yeah. I want to I want to work it out, but I think not only is it a case of if if there's two people fighting each other with lightsabers, every minute they're on screen, the rating will start to dip, okay? But there's there's going to be an extended formula to this, where if one of them is using, if a single person is using two lightsabers, it, it starts to go the other way, because Darth Maul. Yeah. Right? But then you've got Grievous. Darth Maul got... and Grievous. No, because people like Grievous as well. Yeah. But if anybody, if there's more than two lightsabers for any other reason, it goes down faster. The example of that being the fight in Snoke's room yes. at the end of number eight, the fucking arena battle with the like 20 Jedi yep. in one of the prequel films. The, like, the, I genuinely think the more you show a lightsaber to a, a Star Wars fan, the angrier he gets. I don't know why that is. And it's so weird. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's certain things like you should say, well, you can't have yellow or purple lightsabers. You just can't, like, you should hint at them. They should be legendary, but then that's your golden goose. You just never show it. Because once you show it, everyone's like, uh, you just have well, yellow there lightsabers. Is a, there is only one purple lightsaber. That's the point. Yeah. Like that type of stuff, does, you know, that's fine. But it's that whole, th- that realization that I had of the more lightsabers on screen and the more lightsabers there are on screen at a time, with the exception yeah. of dual wielding lightsabers, because the other exception to that is a Shokatana. Hmm. Who Reaper. has been in the um she's been in various things. She's shown up in multiple different uh, franchises at this point. And at one point was uh Luke Skywalker's apprentice. Um, it's, uh, it's it goes back to, I remember like reading something about game design and some saying like people who want to get into game design they're always like what's your favorite game resident evil what do you want to make and they start describing what's functionally resident evil but you start with a rocket launcher and it's like that's not a good game <laughs> like you no. you you can't you can't just do that you can't do resident evil with a rocket launcher no it's you can't it's called doom 
but yeah. like it's <laughs> you gotta get rid yeah. of the tank controls first that's the first thing that's gotta go but yeah i i genuinely think there is an an inverse correlation between it's like the opposite of the running tom cruise thing i i actually will sit down and map this out and i don't even fucking like star wars but I want the, <laughs> now that i have realized this i yeah. want the actual math so when somebody tells me you just don't understand Star Wars, and I'm like, cool, what's it about? And they're like, oh, it's about cool lightsaber balls. I'm like, you're fucking wrong, and I can prove it. <laughs> uh, you can watch stuff on Netflix at like 1.5 and 2 speed, and like, they, it doesn't make the pitch higher, so you can just watch it fast. Like, there's, that no, is made for... there's no doubt that there's compilations online of like every lightsaber fight in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll just look for them. Yeah. I That's... need to get my other, like, like there's a few of my mates who are, like, colossal diehard Star Wars fans, and I have to run this by them, because I think if I do, they're going to agree with me. I, I just have this feeling they're going to be like, yeah. I also think if the character wielding the lightsaber is CGI, they're exempt. What? No, surely they're CGI. The more CGI characters, the worse. Grievous, Yoda, the Clone Wars series. I don't think people like... People didn't like Yoda lepping about the place, acting like a bollocks. He was like, no, he's supposed to be but, decrepit. But he, but it, but he's exempt. It, it, it's the the, the it it cancels itself out. I, I just, I'm not even joking. I think it cancels itself out. That people just kind of go, oh okay. And, and <laughs> yeah, he is. It, it, he is I don't know. Like that, the, the CGI thing might not work. It's more like if you want to count the, the series, or if we're just going pure live action. It's, once you go animated, you have to bring in all the other stuff like the Gendy Tartowski's Clone Wars, the 3D Clone Wars, the Star Wars uh, Rebels or whatever it was. I uh, I wonder I wonder if some things just get rated highly because they're a nice little break from the series, like Joker being a Batman movie without Batman. And it's like, yeah, we loved it. We absolutely loved it. It's like, yeah, because you didn't, you didn't have to watch Batman's parents die again. You didn't have to watch every single... You didn't have to watch a mopey fella putting on mascara. At this point, I cheer, I cheer when his parents die. Fuck them. It's, the, <laughs> it's happened so many times now. The 1%. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, eat the rich. Whatever. Like, it's... Go. No, it just... It happens so often now. I'm just like, if you feel that your Batman film has to show me this at the start of the film... I, I, I don't, I, no, I'm sorry. Nolan did it and Nolan got away with it because there's so much there. Like he takes the origins. It's the lazy thing of parents, uh, uh, fucking Bruce Wayne in his tux going out to the, the play or the mask is depending on which version you love the origin they're doing. Yep. And I'm scared. I want to leave early. Okay, let's leave early. They go to, they're in crime alley, not called out at that point. Joe Chill walks up give me the pearls, fucking fight ensues, gun goes off, both parents dead, Bruce lying in the rain, or kneeling in the rain, crying over his parents' bodies. Has been shown time and time again. But Nolan at least put in the all the extra effort of like, cool, because I'm not going to jump from that point straight to him being Batman. He goes through an hour and a half in between, showing mm. how one point A connects to point, point C. He doesn't yeah. just go like, yeah, yeah, so that happened. And then the next day he was yeah. Batman. Like, it was just weird. It's, he, he was shot with a bat bullet. There was actually three gunshots. They shot mother, father, and a nearby bat. <laughs> anyway, Batman. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it just, when you, when you show me that origin, I'm like, no, it's pointless. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's, I genuinely think it's part of the appeal for the most recent Spider-Man run. Part of it is Tom Holland is fantastic in it and all the rest. Yeah. 
But the thing starts and Uncle Ben is dead because nobody needs to be told how the, that prick dies. Everybody yeah. knows. Everybody. It's like, I know people who, I don't think they've ever actually watched a Spider-Man film and they can tell me what happens to Uncle Ben. Yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. At this point, we don't need it. At this point, you can just start and you don't even have to reference Uncle Ben and people will think he's in the film. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the trope of, he's a superhero, he's probably an orphan, it's fine, don't worry about it, it's great. Um, anyway, my actual idea... Go for it. So, to try and... I, I, it's kind of circling almost back around to the first episode that we did, in a way. I just an idea I wanted to do for a couple of episodes, or periodically, if we just... Because uh, there's not a lot of new content coming out for film. And we're now entering the spell, you and I know that, like, for the next three or four months probably a little bit longer there's not going to be a whole lot of new games yep so in terms of like interesting stuff to talk about i more wanted to pick one of it you pick a creative oh right and you make an argument for why you know they have made they have had the best career they're the best in their field or they are one of the best yeah, yeah yeah and but you have to be able to defend it so you pick a clive barker and you just start going through the like the effect on film and then have to but, but you have to be able to defend the good as well as the bad. Like, yeah. a good example of this was that, just on a Twitter thread online, uh, a few of us were talking the other day, and somebody mentioned how Gene Hackman never seems to get the recognition that he deserves. People recognize right. that he was a great actor, because he's retired now. People always, if they're lauding actors from of his age and from his, you know, of his caliber... They always look to, they always quote Al Pacino or Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two actors who have made fucking trash in the yeah. last 10, 15 years. They stopped making good films in like 1990. And since then, they have just been shitting in a bucket and smearing it on the walls and calling it a film. Like, and, and, but I'm like, cool. You want to call Al Pacino like the best actor of his age? I will shoot it down with Gene Hackman and like five other more. But, yeah. you know, it, it's defend your work. <laughs> this, this is essentially what I'm looking for. Yeah, there's a bunch of dudes like that. I'll, I'll have a think about it. But like there's dudes like uh, Tim Curry, who to me, I was like, why the fuck do, does he not mention the same breath as all these other amazing actors? If anyone ever tells me they like a Tim Curry movie, it's like, oh, I really like this movie. It's like, you didn't like the movie. You liked Tim Curry. You liked the Rocky Horror Picture Show, you like Tim Curry. You didn't like it. You like Tim Curry. Yes. And he does, he does voice acting for loads and loads of stuff. He's Nigel Thornberry. Yeah. He's fucking, he's, um, he's the, the main villain and brutal legend, which was fucking amazing. Like you've got Jack Black, who is like this big ball of energy and is like the, this incredible like voice actor who just every time you're listening to him, it's just pure energy. And then you've Tim Curry overshadowing him with the villain eating the scenery and like, reveling and destroying the world yeah uh, yeah he he is absolutely one where start to finish like clue is another one where it's just him doing this manic thing and there's a load of really good performances in that but if anyone says to me yeah i like clue i watch every year then you're like then you like you just like tim curry like that's just amazing he is he drives that i think there's a lot of these examples where people will like pick somebody and be like oh my god they're fantastic oh my god yeah. they are amazing and you're like I'm like, I don't think it is. I don't think you've thought it through. I don't think you should be using the term like genius unless yeah. you're looking, able to look at them over like, you know, oh, they're like one of the greatest actors of all time. If I can point at half their work and go, these are all dog shit. 
and you yeah. know they are you wouldn't watch them i'd love to do that for something like the coen brothers because even the bad shit i think there's redeeming features in each of them even like the the where they seem to just lose control of a movie and go off on a bit of a weird tangent like at the end of barton fink or like parts of blood simple where you just be like yeah yeah but they're they're still doing something new they're still doing something fun or they're getting mad at um, performances out of like, these actors yeah and I think like there's an element of their stuff that they intend to be weird and kind of schlocky and yeah. stuff like that. I'm not giving that as an excuse for them. I'm not. You, I'm not. Them. I'm not letting them off the hook. I should say for like, you know, oh, why isn't your, why isn't your um, your body of work more consistent? But I'm just yes. saying that there is like you have to be able to recognize what they're doing as well. So I. If if we're kicking off this time, I'll do the Coen Brothers in this episode. Did you have a a, a performer or creator that you wanted to to kick off with? No, nothing. That's like Gene Hackman was just the example that put this into my head. Um, have you seen? Because I was watching, called, I watched uh, the, the Firm. Yeah, yeah. And again, like it's it's a it's a great performance by him, and it just reminded me of how likable he can be when it's not when he's a very kind of laid back character, like the firm is very dramatic, you know, it's John Grisham. It's very tense. It's very mm, serious, but he is kind of known as the wild, the loose cannon in the office in so much that he's just a bit more chill. He's a bit more for having a party and having a laugh, you know, and the, every time I see him acting as well, it always forcibly reminds me of, uh, Doral Tenenbaums. Right. Yeah, of course. Now, apparently he was an absolute nightmare to work with on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm looking at the body of work, not the conditions under which it's made. I know that's a kind of a shitty thing to do, but it's just more the statement that you hear from people is X is the greatest Y of all yeah, times. Right. And I'm like, cool, but you've got to be able to back that shit up or is one of the best. Yeah. The other one that occurs to me is Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is a real interesting one. Yeah. Name me a bad Tom Hanks film. What's the, what's the fantasy movie he's in? Monsters and Mazes. <laughs> Where they did the they did a Dungeons and Dragons, oh, this is turning people insane movie. And they he has a very small role in it, but the cover for like well, as soon as he became famous, the cover for the movie became just his face with Ah, oh, that was that's a TV movie as far as I remember. Uh that that was that was me trying to go for a deep pull. Uh no, there's like Yeah, no, no, look, if you actually look at like if you go over his list, even and this is the this is a testament to how good an actor Tom Hanks is. If Dan Brown was drowning, I'd throw him a bowling ball. <laughs> but he, like the fucking f- films based on his work, I'd watched them. I've watched them before. I'd watch them again because Tom Hanks is in them. Yep. They're a perfect film to have on in the background. Yep. They put, I put them on. I'm like, cool. I am entertained. This is fine. The Burbs is actually great. I want to watch that again. Yeah, it's just like the Burbs is fantastic. When oh, I can't remember the character's name, when he falls off the roof of the house. Yeah. And he died. I laughed so hard when the- I saw that. There's, uh, we've talked about Tom Hanks before as somebody who pees in a lot of his movies. This scene in A League of Their Own where he just comes in and starts peeing and keeps peeing and keeps peeing. And eventually one of the characters starts look, looking at her watch to like time him. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, he's, he was out the night before. He was just like, this is him clearly just woken up. And he just keeps peeing. Like there's a lot of Tom Hanks films that are quite, um, he actually manages to do a lot of less known. Yeah. I liked, um, I liked Charlie Wilson's War. I liked a bunch of stuff like that where it's just about 
I, I, the thing about Charlie Wilkes is worth it. If it wasn't for the fact that Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts was in it, yeah. I would say you didn't like that film. You like, um, what's his name? Plays Capote as well. Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, yeah. like he he steals that film. He is every time he shows up. Amazing. He's another one where like he is just such a delight to watch in, in things where he's like a little bit silly like Boogie Nights or uh, uh, Big Lebowski and then stuff where like it's actually really serious and harrowing like Happiness Jesus Christ is it him in Happiness or is that William H. Macy I sometimes get them mixed up I think. no he's, he's in Happiness that um, fucking film man yeah. Uh, to anyone who's listening who hasn't seen the film Happiness, uh, don't watch it. Yeah, it's it's, it's a fantastically well-made film, and just don't watch it. You know, <laughs> that's, just, that's all I can really wait, say. Wait until we're out of lockdown and everybody's you know got some semblance of normality back in their lives, and then maybe think about it. But don't you don't need to subject yourself to that right now. No, no, not at all. Um, I think yeah, no, just like. There is another really great as a, as a slight tangent to this, but kind of related to it. I do have to issue a form of an apology to Hideo Kojima. Go on. I have often ranted about his writing. Yes. I have often ranted about how he names characters and how he treats women. Yes. Okay. He still treats women like shit. His writing is still bad. The character naming thing has come into question this week. Okay. So, within the last week, we had all the shit kick off in America. Yeah, Again. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I should be specific because... Yeah, let's, let's be a bit more specific. The whole, like, storming of the Capitol building and all the rest. The former U.S. Armed Forces, who is now Capitol, uh, Capitol Police, uh, who saw as a crowd was rushing up one of the stairs, uh, you actually see him on the camera looking towards the Senate chambers that wasn't secured at that point. And he shoves the front guy and runs the other direction to get the crowd to chase him. Right. His surname is, is Goodman. Amazing. And then Parler, also known as Reich Space, um, is the that basically got deplatformed by everyone. Apple were like, you have 24 hours to fix your terms of services. Google going, ha, get the fuck off our service. Amazon went, we ain't hosting you no more. Everyone else, they went and got hosted by this other hosting company uh, called Epic EPIK. They are known to be absolute shitlords. They host all the fuck with right wing yep. uh, racist pieces of shit. The guy who owns that company is a guy called Robert Monster. <laughs> ah, that's great. And I, was, I said this to Vin, and Vin was like, Yeah, but there's no way that's his real name. I'm like, It is. Yeah. Born Robert Blah Monster in whatever fuck year. And he's like, but that, that can't be real. I'm like, it is. So I at least owe <laughs> Hideo Kojima some form of an apology yeah. for how he names characters. <laughs> as soon as the Capitol uh, stuff was kicking off, people were sending me pictures of it, just saying, wow, the, the, the Far Cry 5 DLC looks lit, man. <laughs> like this stuff is I mean, Division 2 called it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. but I'm just saying, yeah, that there is... <laughs> they like... There's an amount of nominative determinism in the world. And uh, the, yeah. The greatest one I ever said was a guy in the American Armed Forces and he was like quoted a bunch of things and his name was Staff Sergeant Mike Fightstarter. And you're just like, <laughs> Fightstarter? And you're Googling it and going, it is a surname. It's from Germanic descent. And you're like, Fightstarter. One, one who starts fights. It's 
I mean, yeah, why not? Like, yeah. I mean, um, there's the, Hideo Kojima just must be just sitting around and he's like sitting there, gonna go like he's got a, his little homework notebook full of stuff. And then every so often he must just see a bit of American culture where it's like Wolf Blitzer talking about something with Staff Sergeant Mike Feitzner. And you're like, oh, okay, so I can go further. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, it always struck me that how he writes scripts is he writes something and he just puts in the place names because he's like, I need to remember what that character is going to be when I come back to flesh them out later. And he never gets to that second pass. He's like, yeah, that's the thing that always struck me. These characters, well, he's like, this, these guys will be called Jack and Rose because they're on a boat and it's Titanic. And he's like, these, all these female characters, I'm functionally making those anime figurines of women. So they can just have names that like describe what the, what pose they'll be doing most often. But the, all his all his female characters are like, oh yes, they're visually like they're 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 beautiful, but there's something incredibly wrong with them. Yeah, physically. Yeah, like they have a massive physical disability. I'm like, like the f- okay, whatever. I, I'm not here to king shame, but whatever. Like it's still. <laughs> uh, yeah, if we're going with that, uh, uh, in Metal Gear Solid Two, Guns of the Patriots, uh, there's Fortune, who's a completely normal looking lady who can't die and really wants to and it's like if there's something terribly wrong with her the only person who doesn't have some terrible physical disability is the one who is actively trying to die and just can't yeah and then like you you jump forward to number five and you have quiet she has to breathe through her skin <laughs> but can't talk it's like oh yeah so that's why she's wearing a bikini excellent i, I believe you hideo no one else would but i believe you. <laughs> or in fucking um uh, walking simulator what's it called death stranding the like you know there's like oh yes she's beautiful face but like her body got fully exposed to the the aging rain so underneath her bodysuit she's the body of like a 90 year old or whatever and it's just like but we're never going to show you that because she's wearing this suit yeah and this other one like has like you know oh no there's something fucked up to do with her i'm not going to spoil it because whatever they, but like it's just that it's that whole thing of like that's how he looks at women and i'm like that's just so fucked they do a they do a weird reference to it in the the Alan Wake half sequel half DLC American Nightmare, where there's a bit where you slowly realize you're kind of in a TV show. You're not quite sure what's going on, but the first the first game was like insinuated that you were kind of in a book. It's doing that whole Stephen King thing of like, what if what you were writing was creating reality? And the second one is kind of like, Are, am I in a TV show? I'm in a schlocky TV show. And all of the dialogue trees, you can either continue the plot or you can start to question where you are. And there's a bit where you're in a, a lab and there's a scientist and she's in a full, like, red short skirt, little black dress, but red, uh, uh, and, like, full high heels, but then glasses and a lab coat. And you can just be like, what's going on here? And she's like, oh, I was on my way to a party and I got called in. And you're like, okay, <laughs> that are you making some attempt to explain this away? What the fuck are you talking about? And you're like, why is there no one else here? And she's like, good question. Why is there no one else here? Yeah, it's, I don't know. Anyway, that like, yeah, if, if you go back to the whole idea of like, pick a creative, there, you have to, uh, I'm trying to like, this, we don't necessarily have to do it for this episode. Yeah. This is something that would require a little bit of prep for. But this is an idea and I want to put it out there and see if like, what the audience think as well. And if you have a bit, any like, if they have suggestions for rules that we could apply, I'm willing to entertain them. I don't mind taking a, if, if you're going to say blah director, blah writer, blah, whatever is 
at the top of their game. Yep. Unless you specify a range of years that has to be more than 15. Right. Then you have to go for their whole career. I, I, no, I'll probably go for because some guys, have, some guys have like 40, 50 uh, years yeah. in film or, you I'll, know. Like I want to do Kubrick right up until the moment before uh, uh, Eyes Wide Shut. But fuck it, I'll do Eyes Wide Shut. Like I, there's, <laughs> why not? Uh, okay. But, the, but we're going, we're going full debate here. You can give your, you have, bring up your character, you make your point to your, your person, person ever is male, female, actor, writer, director, game director, game writer, whatever, if there is a creative that you feel I, has that presence. So I'll, I'll name them here. But the other person can then pull three examples to shoot at them. Yes. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll probably give you a couple here now so if people are listening, they can help me out. But I'll absolutely do, <laughs> okay. I'll absolutely do Sam Lake, who wrote all of the Max Payne's, I don't think he wrote three, uh, Alan Wake and now Control. Uh, but I know he also did, uh, what's it called? Not Quantum Break, but there was a bunch of other weird stuff in the middle there. That was no, it is Quantum Break with Alan Wake. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> <with Alan Lake. laughs> so like, I haven't played yeah. that. I'm going to quickly play that before the next episode and just see what it is. But it's the one where it's supposed to be, it was supposed to go with a TV show. So it was a big swing, whether or not it was actually good or not. Yeah, uh, Sam Lake. The... I'll probably do Kubrick. I'll probably do Tim Curry or an actor like that. Um, I don't think I'll do the Coen Brothers. There's probably too much stuff there that I haven't seen. Um, is there though? I have a feeling though, like particularly in the a, latter half of the career. I've seen a serious man. I've seen Burn After Reading. I've seen Blood Simple. I've seen Barton Fink. So I've seen like some of their weird ones. Oh, I liked. I really liked Inside Llewyn Davis. Ah, fuck it. I might do the Coen Brothers. There was another one that kind of put it in my head because it wasn't just um, it wasn't just watching uh, like Hackman and a few films over the last few weeks, but it was also um, Martin McDonough was the other one that occurred mm. to me. Now, granted, six or seven of his pieces of work are plays only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I have not seen them. Um, I'm not someone who's adverse to going to see plays. I like them, but it's just. You know, there was there was a bunch that came out before I knew who how good a writer he was, before I heard yeah, yeah. of him. And that was through in Bruges. Um, I had I heard see. of Six Shooter, which was the short film that he did before that, because that won an Oscar. Mm. Uh, but, like, he's only done four films. But, like, Six Shooter is a short film. I went back and saw it. It's quite good. Then you have in Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, and Three Billboards. Mm. And, again, it's like... but And, granted... Those last, those the three main full-length films, a, a massive amount of lifting and the appeal is done by his writing. A massive amount is done by the actors. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, I saw The Pillow Man, which is one of his plays in New York with Jeff Goldblum as the interrogator character. And it's real weird. It was so, it's speaking of um, stuff where you're trying to do levity versus horror. Yeah. Uh, it's like this real Kafka-esque story of a, a writer who is being interrogated and is in some authoritarian state where they're basically threatening him not just to, to end his life, but to destroy his entire body of work and make it so it's inaccessible. And that existential dread of like, I can just be erased and everything I've ever worked towards will be gone. But Jeff Goldwyn played it as quite happy 
being the interrogator and like quite you know takes he likes his job mm. and that's terrifying the idea that you're up against someone who not only can't be is not empathizing with you and can't be reasoned with but he he'd nearly prefer to fuck you and it was real it was real dark play i loved it i mean well, dark kind of suits all his work yeah like all of them um but yeah i i still think you know like like i i part of the reason why i wouldn't necessarily pick him is that he's three full-length films uh one short film uh he's producer on like one or two films i think he's a producer on the card but like his, his his other like his other stuff being plays i haven't necessarily seen it so i can't who did yeah. the guard was that his, his, brother, his brother directed it i don't I know if his brother you, wrote. i wonder if you could lump them together that that dynasty oh his brother did write it um i love what, the the, what, did, what did he make Ned Kelly, The Guard, Calvary, War on Everyone. I have not seen War on Everyone, but I've seen the rest. Mm. Ned Kelly, quite good. The Guard is great. Calvary is an incredible film. Um, I, yeah, I told, you, I told you that story about the understated uh, temperament of Irish people that my dad was just chatting to me one time. He goes, like, I was drinking with your man the other day in Sligo. I saw him in McHugh's. Um, and I was like naming his friends going, who? Chris, Peter, Kavanaugh. Who Who did you meet? And he's like, oh, you know him, you know him, you know him. I was like, Richie, Brian, Rick, who? And he goes, uh, Brendan Gleeson. I was like, dad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's not your man. He's Brendan Gleeson. Name a movie he was in if you can't think of his name. And he was like, anyway, he was... <laughs> He was in for a he was in for a minute. He must have been filming Calvary, and I was like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake! There, there was something that um, there was a play. Fuck, what is the name of it? Skull and um, Connemara. No, 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 no. Um, the Lieutenant of Ballybach. No, there's a fuck. The name is just escaping me now. He the did a drum hair. He did a play. With his two sons who are also actors. And right. um, Donald and Brian Gleason. Oh, sorry, we're back on with the Gleasons now. Yeah, no, just because um thing. So it, and it's like it's a it's a play that is meant to be like it's a it's a dark play, but it's a dark comedy. And it, the whole thing is meant to take place in an apartment because the father won't let the other two go out. Right. And the three of them like did that together, and it's very entertaining. Um, mm. I went to see that. The, the, the other one then is um, they also did, the three of them did the series Immaturity for Charity. Yep. Which is that's if I, if I'm ever around a new group of people and we're all like hanging out in the house and you just want to get everyone on the same level, <laughs> like if, if you go in a stag party or if you're going like and you're you're meeting people for the first time, just start sticking on YouTube videos and start going towards Immaturity for Charity because you suddenly bond over that shit. It's fucking brilliant. To talk. So the immaturity for charity for people who don't know, it was for St. Um, St. Francis Hospice in Rohini in Dublin, which is a cancer hospice. Um, and it was basically to raise money for that. They did a whole thing, a series of uh, comedy shorts that were, um, think now it, the, like most of them were written by the three Gleasons themselves. And the thing is, is that um, Donald Gleeson is the straight man in the in the in all the skits, 
Yeah. Uh, Brendan Gleeson is the source of comedy, and he fucking nails it. Like, yeah. there's a whole skit about him just eating the yogurt during a meeting, <laughs> and it's like it, it just it's he has been, he has done very good comedic roles, like in Bruges, yeah. um, but also just like um, the guard. You know, the, he he's he's been in so many different films, and he has uh, you know. The 28 Days Later, when he's that kind of father figure that comes in mm. early in the film and he's very affable and friendly in that. Um, he's in Gangs in New York and he's a yeah, head case. He's been in like, yeah. um, he's in The Village. He's in like a lot of really good things. He's in The oh, General. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, he's like, he does bits of comedy here and there. But when he does full physical comedy, it's just, it's a sight to behold. Because in my head, I'm like, that's oh okay yeah this is your man who's in Braveheart and I went down <laughs> and fucking he's he's mad I moody like this is just yeah, so yeah. weird it's just, like there's all this in your head and he's basically giving his son a talk uh, the talk that a, a, that that a, a parent will have with their child but the child is twenty eight uh, <laughs> and it's just. The, like yeah, it's 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 actually one of those things that, like you said, it's a great thing to put on if people haven't seen. It, you're like, oh my god, yeah. you haven't seen this. Oh, wait till yeah. I show you this. But at the same time, it's um, it's one of those things. Sometimes you're just like, I need to watch something right now, particularly in the last year or so. so I need yeah. something to watch right now that will make me laugh. I need something oh. to make me feel better right this second. And then going to that like that that series. We've shared it with all our friends at this stage to the point sometimes I'll just watch it or the one where uh, Donald Gleeson is reading out the kids' names. He's a new substitute teacher. <laughs> and he's just, he's standing at the front of the class and he starts reading the names like, who wrote this? Who wrote this down now on, on the list? I'm not reading this out. This is absolutely terrible. Someone's in big trouble. <laughs> it's just the names are the most horrible things, but they actually have a classroom full of children and they've shot it in a way that like, he's clearly not talking to the actual kids when he yeah. says horrible stuff. It's like, but, like, bring, that's your real name, is it? Yes, teacher. Bring me your percussion book. And yeah. he looks at it and has it on, and he's like, very good. And he just sends it back. And at the very end, he's like, no, I'm not reading this name. This is absolutely terrible. How dare you? Whoever wrote this is a big trouble. You've gone too far now. And it just cuts to the parent-teacher reading. He's like, I'm very sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Finger, my entire penis. And he's like, it's penis. And he's like, of course, of course. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's the, it's a very silly series we recommend. Um, he would actually like, but yeah, Brendan Gleeson, and maybe even um, I do have a dislike for Star Wars, so I don't think I think the Don, Donald Gleeson disqualifies himself on that. Donald uh, Gleeson, but he's 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 either played or been adjacent to sex robots in enough things that I just want to I just want to delve into that a little bit. Um, he, I don't know. He's 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 uh, it, it, it's he was great in Dread. I loved him in Dread. I remember watching yeah. Him. yeah, great, yeah. One of those one of those actors that can watch a ton. Um, there is a great video of just on a tangent because we're talking about it. But and now that we've kind of said yes, we will do this whole thing of like the two uh you know, you have to you have to defend your argument and your opponent has time to prepare. So what I'll do is like at some point in the next day or two, we can give each other the okay, this is what I've picked. Yeah. And this is uh, and then I have a I each person has a chance to research their oppo their opponent's choices and come up with three <laughs> examples to, to like shoot yeah. it down, and then we can go, we can go back like, and um, but no, just the the Donald Gleeson thing. Um, there's a was it was it him? Yes, there's a video on YouTube 
where there was an award being given out. And it was like one of the big award shows in England. Yeah. And um, it was whatever year The Revenant came out because Donald Gleeson's in The Revenant and so is um, uh, Tom Hardy. And Tom Hardy right, right. was nominated for something, but he couldn't make it because he was filming something else. Right, right. And, uh, but earlier on in the night, <laughs> Brendan Gleeson won the award. And he made Donald Gleeson go up and accept it on his behalf. <laughs> and then uh, both, uh, and then like the Tom Hardy wins his award. But isn't and there. Donald Gleeson has to go up and accept it. And, <laughs> and he has the speeches and he's just like, fuck him. I, he, I, I should have gotten this. Fuck him. Now. And it's <laughs> him losing the plot. Um, another entertaining. But yeah, I just would, I'd love to see more comedy involved in that. Yeah. Uh, but yes, the, the, that is a, a, the format idea. Sorry, just to get back on track. The format idea, we each get to pick somebody, a creator of some type, under the argument of they are the best they are, what they do. You can set a time range, but it has to be a minimum of 15 years. Otherwise, right. you can, it's the whole career. And then the other person can has to prepare, has time to research and have three counterpoints, three examples they can hold up and go. But what about this? Now, if you don't have to argue the point, and if you can actually make the person drop one of their objections, that's a yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And it's we just so, see who wins each week. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, that's it. We'll do it on a point system and see who comes out on top. <laughs> uh, I just thought it might be interesting because, like, I, like I said, with the with the obviously the the, the drought for completely valid reasons. Yep. Um, over the last year of like films and to yep. extend some TV, I've, I find myself more inclined to go back and, and watch old stuff. And it's just like th this type of thing just kind of formulated in my head. So it's interesting that you want that format because uh, Sinead's gone back to college and she's doing law with the idea that the, at the end of this, she'll have done the bar and will be, you know, functionally be able to be a barrister. But on Mondays, she does a moot, which is a debate, and they're given a topic and they have to argue each side of it as though it were a court case. So we'll be around the house and I'll be like saying something to her and she'll just cut through me and give me a bunch of information and completely take over the that's conversation. Nothing, that's nothing to do with college. She's just sick yeah. of <laughs> I, I, I was looking at her, I was like, why are you talking like a white man? And she's like, oh, I didn't realize. I thought I was just getting into the debate thing. I was like, that's how white men talk. They just yeah. talk over the other person, try to be right, try to you know speak competitively. And she's like, I am talking like a white man. I was like, I try, I, I try hopefully successfully not to do that to people like sometimes in my head i'm like i have a really good point here but they're talking so i should let them finish the urge to continue talking is when like when i find my stammer kicking in it's very subtle at this point but it's i find myself like, uh and i'm like i have to just force it out and if i don't i'm just kind of so obviously going duh, 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 for like yeah no. <laughs> I, i've seen the tweet go around and i just need to get the joke out just gotta deliver it in <laughs> I've seen the I've seen the tweet go around. Is like, how come white guys do start podcasts instead of going to therapy? It's like, I don't know. The most other one, it's like, uh, uh, white men will literally found their own game design, uh, their own games company rather than go to therapy. I was like, <laughs> yes, yeah, they will. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. All right, uh, let's then, I will post my picks uh, over to you, obviously, to start with, and my next pick up on Facebook, 
uh, so people can help me <laughs> or warn me what yeah. you will probably try to use to tear me to shreds. When, when we throw this episode up, we'll do an explanation of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, writer, director, production companies. Like, if you if you say you want to do Blumhouse, I'd be like, interesting. I don't think I could, though, because they they have oh. a lot of misses as well as a lot of hits. Or what's it, A24, maybe? Again, same deal. They they yeah. they have a, um, a shotgun approach to getting hits. But, I mean, it's worked for them, and it's giving opportunities yeah. to, like, newer filmmakers and newer directors and writers. That's that's the way you got to start arguing is ah, even their misses are hits because they're, nah, they're, they're... no 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 I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have solid gold bangers right that's the I'm gonna, it's gonna be I'm genuinely gonna bring Sinead in for one of them as my attorney that's fine that's fine I think I already have I already have my first um, uh, creative that I want to use I think I just need to, I just need to double check the time periods. Well, stay tuned for that, people at home. Uh, that's where we'll be starting as of next episode. Uh, welcome back. It's New Year. We'll see how the fuck we do this time around. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just if, if you're out there and there's a lot of shit going on in the world, just remember, you can always go and watch Royal Tenenbaums and take your mind off things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Thanks, guys. Up.